0: Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Holland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by With Jack. With Jack exists to help keep you in business by supporting you financially or legally if you have problems with a client. You can get help chasing overdue invoices, support if there's a contract dispute, but most importantly, the confidence to navigate bumpy projects and handle difficult clients. Think of insurance as having an in-house legal team who have your back without the major expense. With zero cancellation fees and monthly plans you have complete control over your insurance visit withjack.co.uk and be a confident freelancer and right now let's find out what it's like being freelance
1: for voiceover tim adolphin at some point you have to make the decision so i had a chat with my wife about it and she just said to me you know this is what you want to do with your life it's something you've dreamt about it's something you've worked towards and at some point you just have to say you know what i'm gonna take the plunge go out and meet other people who did a similar thing in terms of their jobs and build relationships, which is pretty much what the backbone of business marketing networking is, really. You're just trying to build relationships with people. they are producers who they don't care how many awards you've won or how many nominations you've got. What they want to know is, what can you do for me? Winning awards don't pay the bills. What pays the bills is getting out and marketing yourself, you know, getting people to know who you are what you can do and staying in regular contact with people they're not the be all and end all of it
0: so there is tim his story coming up in a moment. It's been a while since we've had a voiceover artist. Uh, But I always say it's not about the job, really. It's about the being freelance. So yeah, but I I know, I know full well that if you're new to the podcast, you're going to go to beingfreelance.com and you're going to search for the people who do similar things to you. That's natural. But please don't ignore the other ones too, because we can all learn from each other. It's all about uh, the being freelance. Uh, How are you anyway? You are right? You're looking nice. Uh, Over in the being freelance community at the moment, we've got lots going on for COP26. And I realise you might be listening to this years in the future, but the Climate Change Conference, which is happening in Glasgow, as I speak, uh, we had this week in the Being Freelance community, a brilliant Q&A with Melissa Hobson, who is a sustainability and conservation comms consultant. She runs her business in a very sort of eco minded way. I guess that's probably the right term. And she joined us live from COP26 with other BFFs in the Being Freelance community to discuss ideas as to how we can run our businesses in a way which is great for us, but also great for the planet. If you missed it, you can still watch a replay of it by going to the Being Freelance community. If you're not already in the community, that's okay. It's very easy to join. Just go to Being freelance.com. Uh, lots going on in there. I won't wang on about all of it, but I I did think it was a really cool discussion and some really great ideas. Some of them are so simple to do as well. So if that is something which is playing on your mind, then you know we don't have to go to our bosses to try and plead them to run the businesses in a, in a more sustainable way. We are our bosses. We can make the decisions. We can make a difference, even if it's just little old us. So yeah. Please do watch the replay and check out the blog post as well, which came off the back of it at beingfreelance.com. Right. Let's crack on, shall we? We're off to Kent, just south of London, for today's episode. And that is with freelance voiceover Tim Adolphin. Hey, Tim.
1: Hey, Steve. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Thanks so much for doing this. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance?
1: Yeah, well, um, there's a short version of the story and I guess there's a longer version of the story. So the short version of the story is um, I used to work in radio as a radio presenter. And then one day, um, a very good friend of mine now, as he is now, he was the head of production. He came up to me and said, you've got a really good voice. You should do voiceovers. And I was like, what's that? But because he made all the adverts for the station, I figured he knew what he was talking about. So he made me a demo. And then the next time when they had an advert that needed a voice like mine, he booked me. I started doing voiceovers for the station. And here we are today. The longer version of the story is basically um, I used to work in a corporate job. Obviously, that's not what I want to do with my life. So I had always kind of done public speaking stuff right from when I was in school Vice President of the Drama Society, President of the Debating Society. I've been a master of ceremony for many, many years, hosting all kinds of events up and down the country, all over the place. Emceeing led me into TV, TV led me into radio, and then radio led me into voiceover. So... That's kind of the slightly longer version of the story. Were you employed full-time by the station, the radio station you were at? I was employed part-time by the radio station. So I had a show on there and then Uh I provided cover for the breakfast show and the drive-time show and the late-night show when those presenters were either not available or they went on holiday. And so what did you do with the rest of your time? I was working. I had a full-time job. Um, I worked in local authority housing.
0: So both of those were effectively employed jobs. They were, yes. And then you started to do freelance voiceover work on the side. What year are we talking about when you did your first voiceover?
1: I did my first voiceover in 2011, so 10 years ago. I went full-time in 2019. So
0: the rest of that time, were you still working in...?
1: Yeah, I was still working in local authority housing and doing my... So I would do... Effectively, I would do a full day at work. I would come home have dinner with the family, sit down once the kids have gone to bed. And then whatever voiceover jobs I, I then had, I would then do into the night. So it wasn't uncommon for me to get back home and be in my booth voicing till about one, sometimes two o'clock in the morning. And then I'd go to bed and I have clients in the Middle East and they like to do jobs early. So based on the time difference sometimes that could be 5 a.m or 6 a.m so it wasn't uncommon for me to go to bed at one o'clock in the morning and then get up at five to make sure I had enough time to get myself ready warm up my voice and then be voicing for them at 6 a.m in the morning finish that and then go to work.
0: Wow flipping it! no wonder they thought you'd be good for a breakfast show. (laughs) Um, Beyond the ones that came from the radio station how did you start to get more work coming your way?
1: It's a combination of um People that you know, getting to know quite a few producers, so you can say networking is one way. Uh, another way is casting sites. Um, most creative industries tend to have uh, casting sites that you can join. So some of these you pay a fee to be on. You set up a profile on, and clients who are looking for that type of creative will go to them type of sites and social media as well. And then just uh, apart from social media, hustling around town really to just get the word out and get your name out. Hustling around
0: town. What does it? What does it actually mean? (laughs) Like, like, would you go knocking on doors at production companies, or like, is that what you're talking about?
1: Knocking on the proverbial door, but it's near enough along those kind of lines. So, getting in touch with video production companies, audio production companies, and this could be through either calls or it could be through emailing. And but going to networking events has proved very successful for me because when you go to network events where you meet people who are in production or videographers and things like that. And you generally stay in contact. Some of them, you become good friends with them or you get to know them more by via social media, which is an extremely handy tool to use nowadays. And that's another way of just generally doing it, really what would those networking events be? I mean, I tend to go to digital marketing events. So at a digital marketing event, you might have people who own digital marketing agencies who make videos, they make adverts, they do podcasts, they make shorts for TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook ads, ah. and the like. You get illustrators there, creators, ph- photographers, different kinds of people. And The main thing about those kind of events is when you go is you're going there not really to sell in terms of every single person to, oh, this is what I do. It's more trying to just get to know people. And voiceover is quite a solitary kind of job because I spend most of my days in my own studio talking to myself. I mean, before COVID, of course, there were days on a regular basis where I would have to go into town. If you're familiar with London, uh, Soho is usually where most of the voiceover agents and the big voiceover studios are. So I've got to Soho quite a lot to record jobs. But of course, once the pandemic hit, leaving the house, of course, was, was a no-no at one point, And lots of the studios shut down simply because all their creators were working from home. So even before COVID, though, generally as a voiceover, you spend most of your time in your own studio. So it was a nice way to go out and meet other people who did a similar thing in terms of their jobs and build relationships, which is pretty much what the backbone of business marketing networking is, really. You're just trying to build relationships with people, get to know each other. And then in due course, if and when they know you, there's a there's word that's often used, Steve. Um, it's called getting to know people, getting to like them and getting to trust them. Mm. And then after a while, when they eventually require your service... If that relationship is quite strong, generally, you might be the first person they think of.
0: Do you do anything to try and stay like top of mind for when they might need a voiceover?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's about being interested in who that person is and you know what they do, really. Because if you think about it this way, you know, I guess you wouldn't walk into an event, stand there, meet somebody and spend the whole time talking about yourself in terms of, oh, this is who I am. This is what I do. It's more having an interest in who you're talking to, what they do, who they are, you know, what kind of things do they like? I mean, it's not uncommon for me to do a voiceover session that is a live job, which is where you're doing it with maybe like a producer. And we could spend 15 minutes talking about our children, ice cream, holidays, and then the actual voiceover job might take us two minutes. (laughs) But we've been on the phone for 20 minutes because that's how you get to build relationships with people. In terms of what you were asking, stay on top of mind, uh, nowadays, especially as we're a lot more solitary nowadays, um, social media really is probably one of the main ways. And then every now and again, I pick up the phone to say hello to them or send them an email, might send them cards, might send them a Christmas present, that kind of thing, just generally. Mm. really. But it, it's about just being interested in people. That's what it really is about. And this last period of COVID, I think... We've all learnt that more than if we'd forgotten it. We've certainly had to remember it quite quite a lot because the whole world really slowed down. And at that point, it's not so much about, you know, what bigger business you've got or how much money you've got, because you couldn't do 75, 50 percent of what you could normally do because you couldn't leave your house. So... Building up
0: to when you went full time freelance, like how did you know that you were ready or wanted to, whatever the term might be, to make the leap?
1: Sure. Um, The period came towards the end of 2018, because what would happen is towards the end of the year, you know how towards the end of the year you start thinking about whether it's what you want to achieve for the following year some people call them new year's goals new year's resolutions targets that kind of thing your mind starts to wonder and think okay what am I going to do with my life next year that's different from what I've done this year so it was towards the end of 2018 when I was beginning to think you know what when 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 and what I'd been doing basically was um the job that I was doing in housing you know I mean I was getting paid a pretty good wage so the money that I was earning from voiceover, I'd been putting it away for a time. And I got to the point where I would built up the equivalent of about a year's salary. I thought to myself, okay, if next year comes and I go freelance full-time as a voiceover, if I don't make any money at all for a whole 12 months, I'll still be all right. So I guess I had that buffer, but at the same time, it was just a case of at some point you have to make the decision because if not, you you, 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 you at some point you just have to say, you know what, I'm going to take the plunge. And I'm in the fortunate position that, you know, I spoke to, I had a chat with um my wife about it and she just said to me, you know, you're going to have to do it at some point, you know, you're going to have to make the choice and it's going to be now or never really. And once I knew, you know, i mean we'd spoken about this thing many many times many times and i'd al- I'd always had her support and she just told me that look this is what you want to do with your life it's something you've dreamt about it's something you've worked towards and if you don't do it now when are you going to do it and so you know i went into work a few days later and told them that you know i was going to be leaving of course you know once the wheels are in motion and they start planning send-off parties for you and you know people start asking you you know what are you going to be doing and things like that and there's always this little bit in the back of your mind that thinks "Mm, am I doing the right thing am I not doing the right thing even though this is what you love and one day I woke up and that was it really it was my last day there and I left and you know started off in January 2019 as a you know full-time full-time VO and off I went really
0: Did you do anything different then once you were full time?
1: Well, I think the the main difference was, was the fact that when you woke up, I didn't have anything else to, you know, preoccupy my mind apart from just getting on with being a voiceover. Because while I was in my corporate job, of course, if somebody sent me an email during the day, I might not get it till a few hours later, or I might not be able to respond. Or if you got a job that, because a lot of, working voiceovers last minute and what that requires from you is it requires you to do the job there and then it's not uncommon to get an email at four forty five on a friday and it says look tim we've got something that needs to be on air tomorrow are you available now <laughs> so the immediacy of it was i could respond immediately i I, w- I was there you know or you'd get a phone call and they'd say oh hi tim how are you yeah i'm fine tim are you available today and you'd say yes and they'd say right great i'm sending you a script Like now, if you look at your email, I've already sent you the script. Yeah, You know, I'll be online in two minutes and then, you know, you go into the booth, click open your software and it's time to go. So because it wasn't uncommon for me to be at work, go home during my lunch break, do two, three voiceover jobs that I'd been sent and then get back to work after that, you know, because those were jobs that needed to be done because you're trying not to you're trying to build clients but not lose them because if they call you and you're not available, the chances are tomorrow they might go somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about that actually because, you know, a lot of the people I speak to, types of jobs mean that, uh, you know, they might work with a client for a week, two weeks, a month, six months. Whereas I imagine for a voiceover, it's much more, there's much more fluctuation to it. I was, and I was thinking, like, how do you cope with that?
1: In VO, it's kind of described as boom and bust. So you get periods where there's a lot of work and then you get periods where there might be not that much work. But th- the main flow of it is to keep it ticking over and that's the kind of position that I've worked to get myself in. So, because sometimes what what can happen is you've got to be constantly marketing yourself to let people know that you're still, you're there. And this is clients that you've worked with in the past, you've got to let them know that you're still there, you're still available. Because I think there's a stat that says, and it says something like, um, it's 11 times easier to get repeat business from a previous client than it is to go out and get a new client. So in terms of fluctuation with previous clients, it's just to let them know that, you know, you're still there, you're still available for them. But all the time you're trying to top up with new clients, because what will happen is just generally in business, not every single customer that you work with is going to come back a percentage of them will drop off. That's just the nature of life. Not because you haven't provided a good service or because they don't like your service or what you've done for them. It's just a case of that's just the way the world is. So it's just trying to cover that fluctuation by staying in mind with your previous clients and always trying to be out there. There's, you know, ABC, you know, always be, you know, calling or always be marketing, always be on the hunt so it's not a case of you get so much work that you're so busy that you stop marketing yourself because if you do eventually the work is going to tail off Mm. there's um something that somebody said to me um a while back they said think about it coca-cola and mcdonald's are two of the best known brands in the world but they still advertise if they have to still advertise then why wouldn't you so true. Though you have now made me want a McDonald's.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, McFlurry would be a nice way. I now. used to
1: work in McDonald's, actually, many moons did ago. You? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. It's how I put myself through college and uni, actually. Yeah, I'm yeah.
0: Like... What about the sort of work you do? Like, Do you have a niche that you've found over the years?
1: I do a variety of work. Um, if we're talking the terms of the variety, I do radio, TV commercials. I do corporate jobs that might be um, in the form of a company video. It might be if a company is doing training for argument's sake, that's e-learning. So online learning, I do, I do quite a lot of that. And then I also do um, little, little tiny jobs um, like for in-store, if you go to Tesco's or you go to Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Asda, places like that, co-op, You might hear an announcement when you're in store to say, this is a special offer that we've got on today or this or that kind of thing. I do quite a lot of that kind of work, as we call that, um, in-store advertising. In terms of niches, um, I'm Nigerian, so I can do African accents quite a lot. So I do a variety of African accents. And um, in terms of a niche, that's probably the niche that I'm known for because I market myself as an African-British voiceover. So Uh in terms of work that needs doing for different regions of Africa a lot of the adverts are made here in London so I've got myself into a position that I've become well known as one of the go-to guys for that so in terms of a niche that's the area um, I suppose you could say I'm, I'm niched on but in terms of the variety of work I'll do pretty much anything train station announcement bus station announcements lifts <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's interesting to figure out how people realize what their potential niche is
1: I think it's a case of what people are asking you for, because when, when I first started out, I was just doing regular, regular adverts. And then somebody would approach you and say, Oh, um, we need a voiceover um, for an advert that we're doing. And the advert is going to play out in Nigeria or is going to play out in Ghana or South Africa, one of the other African countries. And when they want to do an advert for a local market, they're usually looking for someone who can do that local accent or that local dialect basically. So that's how the plethora of that work came about, and of course, once you realise that that's what people want, and that's who that's who you are anyway. I'm African, is work that you can do with your eyes closed. I mean, the more people get to know about what you can do, the more, of course, they come looking for you. I mean,
0: and so did you change the way you were marketing yourself?
1: Yeah, in terms of the marketing, obviously. Um, when you first start out, you don't have a lot of work to showcase. So if you have a website, then it might not have a full body of work, but as you go on, you do more work. So you have more work to showcase on your website. You might start to, you might only start Well, I started off working in commercials only, but after a while I started doing corporate work. So, you know, you would have like um, a corporate demo. Um, When you start doing e-learning, then you have an e-learning demo, all that kind of work. As you go along, you get to update it to your website, your social media channels, because it's just a way of letting people know more about yourself in terms of the kind of work you have done or are doing or are capable of doing, shall we say. Mm. So you
0: split it out into different genres, genres showreels, yeah, different yeah, according degrees. to the, the genre of use uh, that it's going to be. Speaking of your website, actually, I noticed that you've got, you know, uh, Oh, I forget what it was, like an awards winner this year, awards finest yeah. this year. How important were those awards or uh, submitting to awards for you?
1: I think they're important because they're they're marketing tools. I mean, for starters, um, here in the UK, we've got two main awards. We've got one called the Vox Awards and another um, that is called the One Voice Awards. And if I use the One Voice Awards as an example, um, they normally get about three or 4,000 entries a year and... For you to get nominated, it usually means you're somewhere in the top 10%. And for you to win, it's I think the figures are you're in the top 3% or something like that. But these these nominations are quite tough to come by because the competition is absolutely fierce. So to get nominated, it's quite good because number one is for your ego for starters. But more importantly, from a marketing perspective, it's something that you can use because, of course, the body, the awards body obviously does marketing as well and usually it's people who are quite at a top level who you would find are also getting nominated and so it's a chance to meet your peers it's a chance to meet people that will hire, that will hire you it's not uncommon to go to an event of such and end up sitting on the same table as a producer or a network director creative director that kind of thing and build up a relationship that way mm. or if you win again when you when when you come off stage at the after party you've got lots of people who might already know your name and come to speak to you. So it's a great way of building relationships and it's a good chance to see your friends as well, because like I said, voiceover is quite solitary. I mean, there are voiceover events that you can jam with your friends and stuff like that, or, you know, we just meet up on our own kind of thing. But sometimes you might go months without seeing not so much your immediate voiceover friends, the guys that become your personal friends, but just people that are colleagues or acquaintances it might only be once a year at those kind of events that you see them. But from a marketing perspective, they can prove very useful. And again, if you win, you've got a shiny badge or you've got a, an award trophy to maybe use on your social media or for other marketing purposes. So they can they can quite work quite well. But they're not the be-all and end-all of it, Steve. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're producers who they don't care how many awards you've won or how many nominations you've got. What they want to know is what can you do for me, you know, how good are you with this particular job that I want? And winning awards are nice, but winning awards don't pay the bills. What pays the bills is getting out and marketing yourself, you know, getting people to know who you are, what you can do, and staying in regular contact with people, you know, and just being just being yourself and being easy to work with, really, because nobody wants to work with anyone that's difficult. Who's got time for that? <laughs>
0: You said about how the voiceover industry or like your your work can be very last minute. Uh, yeah. And also that you're, there's a certain concern, you know, like what if I'm not available now? They'll go somewhere else. They might not come back. So how does that fit with you in terms of like taking time off?
1: Well, I mean, nowadays we're hearing a lot more about mental health in terms of, you know, keeping, especially in this past 18 months we've had, whereby the, the line between work and home has just been blurred completely or doesn't even exist. But it, it's one that you've got to look after yourself. You cannot work flat out all the time. It's just, I mean, especially with doing voiceover, you need to take care of your voice. And if you're not doing that by getting adequate rest, adequate exercise, eating properly, after a while, I guess it's going to show. So it's just one that when you build up relationships with people, if, you're, if I'm going away for argument's sake, your regular clients, you tell them that you're going away and you tell them when you're going away and how long you're going to be away for. And if people have got jobs that they need you to do, what usually happens is they'll send you a plethora of jobs that you do and they know when you're going away. And then you make it very clear whilst you're away, of course, you have your out of office on to say, I'm away for this amount of time and I'll be back on this date. It's not uncommon in voiceover. I mean, I've done it in the past myself, where I've gone on holiday and I've taken recording equipment with me, on you know, on the off chance that that national commercial that you've been waiting for suddenly comes along. Because it's not uncommon for you to go on holiday and then all of a sudden, a shed load of work comes in that you know you might not be able to do. But each to their own. Some people will always take equipment along along with them because a few jobs will come in during that time that you can just quickly, easily knock out. I mean, I've set up. A recording studio in hotel bathrooms before, something quite common. You know, good acoustics, you know, with lots of duvets and towels and things like that. If you provide a good enough service for people and they know you and they trust you, when you're away, if they want because I've it's happened to me before where I've received an email whilst I was away and I said, you know, I'm away at the moment, I'll be back in four or five days. And the client has said, No, well, no problem. Here's the script. When you come back, let me have it. Or okay, no problem. Once you're back, just let me know and then we can pick it up from there.
0: I have visions of you ringing down to reception and asking, how many duvets? Could could, could I have an extra duvet set up to my room, please?
1: Forget, Steve, forget that. When I'm at reception, check in and excuse me, I need some extra duvets set up, please. But I have done that (laughs) that in the past. Extra duvets, towels and things like that. We're very creative people, voiceovers. So I've seen many different types of creations that have been done in hotel rooms under tables (laughs) under beds
0: i i I just find i sleep better with 10 pillows that's all could (laughs) you uh, um and how how did you cope with the sort of financial that yeah the the financial side of running a business
1: yeah i mean that's um that's a learning curve and it's a continuous learning curve because sometimes when, when you're a creative of some sort, some of us, many of us, we think might think of ourselves as creatives. But I think what I've learnt, um over the time is that we also, what we have to do is we have to think of ourselves as business people first and creative second. Because if I use voiceover as an example, when you're behind the mic, that's where you're making money because you're doing jobs that will, you know, you get paid for. But what you've got to do is you've got to do a lot of work to get yourself behind the mic so there's a lot of admin to be done you know there's a lot of networking to be done there's a lot of admin there's a lot of whether it's updating your website your social media going to networking events there's a whole load of things that you've got to do to get that work in so when you first start out in voiceover it might be ninety-five-five. so five percent of time behind the mic and the other of the time what you're doing is you're going out and looking for the work when I say going I don't always mean going out but you're doing things to get the work in so that you can get behind you can get behind the mic and stay behind the mic but as you go along of course then the percentages go up and go down so it might be 20% behind the mic 80% looking for the work and 30, 70, 60, 40, just dependent really. And how did you know what to charge? In in terms of charging, I mean, there's a body in the UK called Equity who have set up an amount of rates in terms of whether it's a radio advert, TV advert, etc. And then some organisations have gotten together and provided a rate card that generally you can use as a guidance. And then there's other jobs that... It's just a case of getting as much information as you can in terms of what type of job it is, where it's going to be used, how long it's going to be used for. Because with, with, with the, I think sometimes the problem that we suffer as creatives is when you give somebody a price, sometimes they might not understand how you're arriving at that price because they're thinking, what do you mean? It's okay. So you, well, have this voice of it's talking, isn't it? <laughs> but it's it's, it's, it's talking. It is talking, but it's not at the same time because if it was talking, then everybody would be doing it. There's a, there's a lot more skill involved and they might just be thinking in terms of time because you might do a job and it might take you, let's just say, three minutes to record. But the three minutes that you record, you're not the client isn't really paying for that. What they're paying for is the length of time it took you to get yourself to the level that you could record such a job in three minutes and then the job might be used on a national TV advert for argument's sake. It might be used on a national radio commercial, which is going to be heard by millions and millions of people. Whereas you might just do, you might do a video that might only end up on a local channel for argument's sake, where the audience is not as much. So, and remember new media is coming in all the time. So it's, it's, it's about the value that you're providing for your, you know, for your clients, really. I mean, if you, if you think about it this way, they normally say you're charging for a period of time but I suppose the charge comes from years of work. You don't wake up and become, you know, a graphic designer in a graphic designer might draw a statue and it might take him half an hour to do that. But it took many, many years of learning, skill, et cetera, training to get to that kind of level, really.
0: Great that there's those resources um, like organizations who have basically said, you know, here's what you should be charging as well to give you that confidence, I guess. Yeah. And also means that everybody's doing a similar kind of thing.
1: To an extent. I mean, it's, as we both know, in the creative industry, people can charge what they like, really. I mean, the barrier to entry to some of our creative industries is very low in terms of what you might have to shell out in terms of equipment. And people can start off at a low rate just to get their foot in the door. And at the same time, remember, we deal with different types of clients who have different budgets, really. So... Some clients have very high budgets and some clients might have very low budgets or some clients might not necessarily wish to pay X amount for X, Y, Z. It just depends really. And this is why I keep talking about relationships because relationships are important simply because once you've gotten a relationship with a client and they know you quite well, they know what the work, the caliber of the work that you can do for them and they're getting value for their money. If for argument's sake, as you go along in that relationship, you were to raise your price because if you were looking to buy something today, you couldn't most likely pay what you paid 10 years ago for for it because that's just the nature of society. Life moves forward, there's inflation, the cost of living goes up, the cost of goods and services goes up. So when you have good relationships with people over the course of a five, 10 year relationships, your price that you were charging 10 years ago in 2021 might not be what you were charging in 2011. But as you go forward in that relationship, when you inform your client that you're maybe raising your price for argument's sake, clients understand that because their costs go up. They raise their prices as well. So they understand that, but it's just about open communication, really.
0: And how about, you mentioned having a a family, getting them to bed, going off and doing voiceovers. How's the work-life balance now that you've been going at it full-time for a few years
1: Ah, work-life balance what's that (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's one that like any freelancer there's some days steve where you know i'm working late i'm working late into the night and there are other days when i'm not really i mean but in terms of the balance i think after a while in the beginning of being freelance full-time you might just work all the hours that you know the lord sends but after a while you you have to kind of put those demarcations in in terms of you know okay I'm going to stop working at this time because if not what will happen is you might be at your computer all, all day all night really and that's not really it's not healthy for you it's not healthy for your business really because then you just keep going and suffer burnout really so it's just trying to especially during this past 18 months of course where everything is blurred and blended in so it's just about trying to have those clear demarcations to say right okay i'm gonna finish work today at this time you might finish and then maybe have to go back into the studio maybe at nine o'clock or ten o'clock for 20 minutes or half an hour it just depends really so it's a toss-up really but it's a work in progress shall we say
0: now tim i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself to make two true one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me
1: okay mr steve so Uh, Fact number one, uh, when I was 21, I was taking drumming lessons, so I bought a drum set, but it proved to be too noisy, so I had to sell it to the local church. Fact number one. Right. Uh, Fact two, um, I've got family in the Middle East, so I go to the Middle East quite a lot. So on one of my trips, I actually got upgraded to first class, and I found myself in a first class cabin, and the two people that were next to me were Jeremy Clarkson and Richard Hammond. The three, um, I once went to an AC Milan game in Italy and we, when we got to the stadium, we found out we'd been given the wrong tickets. So they'd actually stuck us in with the hardcore AC Milan fans and we refused to get off the coach. And we ended up buying 50 AC Milan shirts, which we put on before we left the coach. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> so, so, okay, which team do you support? Tottenham Hotspur. So you went as a Spurs fan to AC Milan Stadium? No, not as a Spurs fan. Um, I was actually living in Italy at the time. So a coachload of us went down for uh, for a match. But when we got there, they we were meant to pick up the tickets when we got there. But we were actually told when we got there, oh, sorry, guys, um, you're not in the section that we thought you were. You're in the section with the hardcore AC Milan fans right at the top. And we just said, you know what, we're not getting off the coach. We're not we're, 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 we're not going. And we all sat down and had a chat and said, okay, how do we get around this? Or what should we do? And someone came up with the idea that we should buy replica. They, they, they sell all kinds of shirts at the stadium. Not all of them are real. They're like replica shirts that you can buy for a fiver or so. So we ended up buying 50. As in, so you had one each or you wore 50? (laughs) No, 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 no. We all had one each. We all had one each before we went in the stadium.
0: And when you're talking about the hardcore fans, you're talking about the ones blowing horns and instruments? Yeah, with the
1: flares and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, banging drums and, you know, real, real, real hardcore supporters.
0: Okay, I don't know. That That sounds plausible. At least you were simply going as a neutral and not going into the ac milan no no and no. as a spurs fan, no 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 okay right okay that sounds plausible um first so you were flying first so with jeremy clarkson and richard hammond from top gear P- people listen all over the world but i feel like top gear is known all over the world yeah i but mean uh,
1: this this was after top gear they weren't working for the bbc anymore at that time they were then working were doing for amazon. amazon um by then it was called the grand tour
0: this is why they can probably go first class. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so yeah. So they do the grand tour. That's it. The grand, grand tour, tour on Amazon.
1: The thing is, they were actually going there to do some filming. I mean, because w- when I saw them, the first thing I thought to myself was, "Where's James May?" Because there's there's three mm. of them in there, really. But James, apparently, James was already there because um, I didn't get to talk to Clarkson. But I saw, you know, in the first class section, they have like a bar. It's like a U shaped bar kind of thing. So,
0: F- funnily enough, I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh right, so, sorry. <laughs>
0: I can tell you what the toilets in economy are like. All
1: right, That's not a problem. <laughs> now there's like a there's like a funky U shaped bar. It's Emirates, Ooh. so you go upstairs um, for first class. So it's like a U shaped bar, and I happen to have a chat with um, Hammond at the bar, but not 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 Clarkson. But I, wow. I, I saw him, but I didn't get chance to, to talk to him. Okay, and then so you bought a drum kit when you were 21, but it
0: was too noisy. Who told you it was too noisy?
1: Well, family, innit? it? Family <laughs> and the next door neighbours.
0: How long did you persevere before you gave it away?
1: I or had it? well, I had the drum set for about just over a year. That's quite a long time. Yeah, it is. I mean, persevered a little bit for a while. Too much complaints from the family and next door neighbours, so I sold it to the local church in the end. <laughs> oh, do you know what? This season,
0: everybody's lying far too well. It's. Um... <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I've lost my knack. I just don't know. Well, usually you can spot them, can't you? Yeah. This has been, uh, I take it far too seriously, Tim. Okay, I'm going to say the
1: first class one is the lie. You would be correct, Yes! (laughs) Yes! I have got family in the Middle East. I do go to the Middle East quite a lot, but no, I have not been upgraded to first class. Oh, you haven't. No. You see, I was
0: even starting to think, well, maybe he has been upgraded, but he's just never met the celebrities there. But
1: no, you haven't even
0: been upgraded. No,
1: (laughs) not going to the Middle East, no.
0: Well, it's about time they did. I'll take that. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be?
1: I think I tell myself that, you know, it's one where, you know, you got to believe in yourself constantly. That's just it, you know, believe in yourself constantly. And if I'd done that, I probably would have done it earlier, actually, simply because sometimes, you know, you worry about how things are going to go, you know, will it work? Will it not work? That kind of thing. Or what are all the elements involved? But I would tell myself, you know, to just go for it a bit earlier. And I would just tell myself that, you know, as you go along the way, things that you don't know, you can learn because, nowadays they're just incredible resources available to you online information is so freely available now that things that you don't know you can find out about quite easily and the things and then you can learn these things really so I just tell myself you know to have gone for it maybe a little bit earlier and just you know not be not be scared because there's in this life what is there to fear but apart from fear itself really and half the time these things that we're afraid of, Steve, that we think, you know, won't happen or, you know, it's just too big for me. They're not really, you know, we spend so much time on social media, on watching people, other people on TV achieving their dreams and the truth is there's absolutely no reason why we can't follow our dreams and achieve our dreams. All we've got to do is make decisions and stick with those decisions when things, you know, there's always going to be ups and downs, so when things aren't going well, you just hang in there and it will pass and we were all with the good times really.
0: Ah, nice. Tim, it's been really good to talk to you. Uh, Go to beingfreelance.com and there'll be links through, as there are for all of our guests, so that you can check out Tim's website. Uh, Go say hi to him on various social media as well. So, yeah, take a look. That's at beingfreelance.com. And remember, if you're a freelance parent, the other podcast I do is called Doing It for the Kids. So, since you've got your podcast app open right now, why not go take a look for that as well? And it'd be awesome to see you in the Being Freelance community. All the details you need for that to hang out with other freelancers from around the world is at beingfreelance.com but for now tim thank you so much and all the best being freelance
1: thank you so much thanks for having me
0: Yes, yeah, so there is Tim. Uh, Being Freelance is made by me, Steve Holland. I'm a freelance podcast and video creator. And this is something I do on the side. If you like what I do, you can support me and support the whole Being Freelance thing with a one-off or a monthly donation at beingfreelance.com slash coffee, where you can top up my virtual biscuit tin. Really appreciate what It does. But you can also support by spreading the word. Tell other freelancers you meet, be it in person or online, about it. Uh, tweet about it. Put it on instagram (laughs) do a tiktok dance to my introduction i don't know Uh, whatever it might be you can also leave a review all of it helps of course to spread the word about being freelance so yeah anyway i appreciate it all okay i'm out of here enough waffle i'll see you next time for another one in the meantime have a great week being freelance